was there early at Eloqua with one of the founders, Dave. They built that, obviously sold that to Oracle, stayed there for about a year, then left, took a two-month break, partnered up with, again, a former colleague in Dave. They didn't get sick of each other through the Eloqua story, which obviously makes sense because it was a successful one. Now they are jumping into relationship intelligence. Basically, you connect up your feed. I say, yes, Paul, you can have access to my network. Paul can then see who I'm close with and ask for more appropriate intros from stronger signals than you really can get anywhere else. I love the business concept. They're scaling. They're now at 22 people Launched in 2014, spent about two years building a product using their own money. They've now raised seven million bucks, serving about 2,000 seats across 30 logos. Do it, you know, doing call, call it say 60 grand per month ish right now in revenue and scaling quickly up there in Toronto. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everybody. My guest today is Paul Tashima. He's the CEO and co-founder of Nudge.ai, a relationship intelligence platform that helps businesses find and grow the right relationships to drive revenue. He's a successful technology executive who has run services, customer success, account management, support, and product management teams. As part of Eloqua's executive team, he helped to lead the company from zero to over 100 million in revenue, then through IPO and a successful acquisition of for 957 million by Oracle. He's a big believer that, that culture trumps strategy every time and that storytelling is an essential part of creating the business. He's had a successful track record as a leader with a strong focus on sales and customer engagement. Paul, are you ready to take us to the top? I am. Thanks, Nathan, for having me on board today. You bet. So I love it when someone who like came out of, you know, taking Eloqua to zero to a hundred million, right? You were, you were, you had the corner office, you were doing the big thing. You say, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to go and start all over from scratch. I'm going to go back to the foldy tables and the computers that don't have all the specs on them because we're trying to save some cash. So tell us about nudge.ai. What's it doing? How do you make money? So nudge.ai, we are a relationship intelligence platform. So what we focus on is, is tracking the strength of relationships within the business network and finding ways as a salesperson, particularly a B2B salesperson, to use those relationships to get access to accounts and then ultimately close deals. And that's and where our focus is. What been. signals are you using to measure, to measure strength of relationship? So uh, we are using actual communication signals. So your email, your calendar, your phone, it's not proxied by social media or connections on LinkedIn. It's the fact that you are having a real relationship, real re- interactions with people. That's what we measure. How is this? I mean, you remember Conspire, full, you know, Brad Feld, those yeah. guys invested and then Full Conduct took it up. And then, you know, Bart just said, hey, we're shutting this thing down. It's not working. Um, how are you different than Conspire? I think we're different in a couple of things. First off, I think we, um, we're not a, I think Conspire was a fully automatic opt-in across the board. And so I think a lot of like commercial sales teams were reticent and coming on board. So we actually, it's an opt-in process to share that information with others on our platform. We have about 20,000 users on it today. And what happens is if you're a B2B sales team and you want to know if someone on your board or someone in your customer advocacy group has access to a new target account, we can tell you and, and whether it's with a strong relationship or a weak relationship. Okay. I think I understand this. Let me, let me rephrase this. Um, I am an LP in many venture capital funds. I am flying to San Francisco and really want to meet with venture capitalist X. 
I can go put in the managing directors of funds I've invested in and try and see which one of them has a connection to venture capital X in San Francisco. That's right. If you are sharing that with those people, in other words, if they were part of your universe of, of nudge users that you share that with, that would be great. I see. So good. That's what I was going to ask you. Are there security issues there? So what you're saying is I have to say, hey, allow um, you know friend X to have access to my connections and to see who I'm closest with so that they can then ask me for those intros if they want them. That's correct. And in a business, in an actual corporate setting, all the people within a team or corporation share automatically. And so you automatically get to see, you know, the head of IT or the chief uh, people officer who they know. And then that way, as a salesperson, you really can advantage, take advantage of the real relationships within your network. So, Paul, let me ask you a question. So, like, in my email, let's say I'm working at a company. Everyone else in the company has access to, like, understand my connections. So I've connected my LinkedIn with you, my inbox with you, my chat with you, my texts with you on my phone, my calls on my phone. Let's say I have a secret lover that I want nobody to know about. How do I make sure that only the texts and the emails from my secret lover never show up to my coworkers? Well, well, first thing, we, we never look at the contents of anything that is sent, the contents or the uh, of the calendar or of the email. So we're only going to know names and we're going to know um, the back and forth time and date. Two, you can at any time hide someone completely from the system. So I'm not saying that that's come up ever before, but if you for some reason wanted that, you can just hide that person. They'll never show up ever again and nudge. If you don't look at content of the email, though, how do I know that my coworker is connected to potential new partner Y if you're not reading the emails they sent to potential partner Y? Because there's a lot you can gain. You can get 80 to 90% there just on the understanding, the frequency, the balance, the type of interaction. For example, uh, if you have a one-on-one meeting with someone that's gone over the last two years, every six to eight weeks or so, that's a pretty strong relationship. That person is someone you're engaging with on a regular basis, uh, and it's just you and that person. If you have a flurry of activity and a whole bunch of back and forth emails in one meeting and then it disappears, that's not that's that's a sales call that didn't go any further. And so it's those types of things we can learn. And we today we track about 50 million business relationships on wow. the platform. And so we can sort of we've learned what makes a, a real relationship and what doesn't. Interesting. So where LinkedIn might show if I visit your profile, you know, when people search for Paul, they also search for boom, boom, boom. And I'll probably get a list of everyone else at your company. This is an opt in version of that. And it's a much stronger signal because I'm seeing the time and frequency of when you emailed or when you called or when you did whatever with X or Y other people. That's correct. And LinkedIn's great. Don't get me wrong. It's a fantastic business network. It just doesn't have the strength of connection. Sure. And, and, um, and today, everyone has more connections than ever before. Many of you use email marketing to grow and build your businesses, but I've got a big question for you. Are you connecting your email marketing with other services and tools that you use to build your business like Salesforce and Google Analytics? If not, you've got to check out Emma. You'll have everything you need to connect your data, build your audience, and do your most successful email marketing campaign ever. Lots of folks are using Emma because their easy-to-use platform makes advanced functionality accessible to everyone on your team, from your intern to your CEO. No technical skills are required to send these campaigns. Most importantly, I know we all hit snags along the road when we use new tools. They've got an award-winning support team. The support team helps with your strategy, design, list migration, which is important if you're moving from somebody else, and much more. So put the power of email experts behind your marketing. Request a customized demo of Emma's email marketing platform today at myemma.com. Again, that's myemma.com. Paul, you put that you grew Alco or helped grow Alco to 100 million in your bio. So you're a capitalist and a money guy, which I love. How do you make money on this thing? 
Uh, we sell it. So we sell, if you're a sales professional, a head of sales, and you want your team to get access to target accounts through the network, uh, you buy nudge per seat for every sales user in the organization and every other person you want to see their network. And then two, we plug in the analytics into CRM so that if you want to track how a deal is progressing and whether the, the salesperson is growing the right relationships with the right people, you can see that right in CRM. And so that's how we make money. We charge heads of sales for the, to put this tool in place. And on average, I don't want to go down every customer cohort because we can get lost quickly, but on average, what are people paying per seat per month? Uh, you know, our, 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 stress, our straight down the middle product is $30 per user per month, uh, okay. U.S., Okay, got it. And would you say that that, is, that, that does capture your average very, fairly accurately? Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right, give me more of the backstory here. Um, when did you leave? I assume you left Eloquent and went directly into this, right? Uh, I, I, when we got by Oracle, I stayed on for a year to help with the transition. And in October 2013, I took two months off. Uh, and then my co-founder, Steve Woods, and I started Nudge. Is, is that a sexy way to say you had to stay at Oracle for a year to get by the earnout? We didn't have an internet. None at all. I don't believe you. There was nothing to help with retention of key employees. I mean, there was there was additional upside. Okay. There was there was no revesting. We we owned all our shares. We could have walked away on you know day one after the the the, the acquisition was confirmed. Got it. Okay. So you left. You take a two month break, and then uh, where did you find your co founder? So Steve Woods was a co founder at Eloqua as well. So I we've see. been working together for almost 18 years now. That's good. Okay, I love that. So now you guys launched this company. Um, I'm going to guess, based off your history, you said, why would we use our own money when we could probably easily raise other people's money to grow this? So how much have you raised? So today we've raised uh, just a little over $7 million U.S. Um, and uh, we have put some of our own money in, but it is, it is a good way to test the business to see if you can go raise money. Even as second-time entre- entrepreneurs, it's still a good way to test the business. How do you – because we have a lot of second-time entrepreneurs on the, that listen to the show, and they always go, Nathan, you need to ask questions like this one. So, Paul, when you go out and raise additional capital, after it's clear, and everyone in the market knows you just had a big win, how do you overcome the obvious, which is the investors going, Paul, why do you need us to give you $7 bucks? Use your own. You just made a killing. I don't think they ever come with that objection. They actually want to be part of the second one. So they're actually looking at it as an opportunity to de-risk another investment with, with entrepreneurs who've done it before. Uh, um, I think, to be fair, the, probably the question they may ask is, how do we know you have fire in the belly anymore? Yeah, so I, like it's, hard to, it's hard to motivate a guy once you make him rich. Yeah, and and so what? That's, that's all up to you as an entrepreneur to prove to them you still have passion. I mean, we could have we could have retired if they're staying at Oracle for four years, probably. But instead, we're going to go back at it, and um, we want to do something big, and we explain why and our passion for it. And I think they, that's why they buy into it. I love that. Okay, so and what year was that? So we 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 didn't do the uh, the VC financing round till 2015. Sorry, I meant when did you when did you when did you launch the company? Oh well, we started coding probably back in late 2014. But we didn't come out with a product. It was a pretty long build for about two years till we came out with something that we thought people could play around with. Wow. And, and, and so you basically funded it with your own money for two years before doing that raise. Yeah, effectively. Sat in some friends and family, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay, and what have you scaled to today in terms of total customers using you? So we, we only launched the commercial product around uh, four months ago, five months ago. Which would have been, now, so what's that, December 2017? Uh, yeah, a little before that, probably beginning of Q- Q4. And so we now have over 30 customers. Our largest is 1,000 sales seats. That's amazing. What What are those customers on average? Like how many seats would you say? Four, 500 or 1020? Oh, 
Yeah, in that range. But it ranges, to be fair, we have a self-service offering on one end where you can plug in for 10 users and never talk to us ever again. <laughs> and then we have our managed service offering with sales and customer success. And yeah, you're over 200, 300, 400 seats into yeah. the, the higher end. Let me ask that question differently. How many seats would you say are on, our, on your platform today across all your logos? Oh, we have well over 20,000 seats. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, so you you definitely see kind of the 80-20 rule where you have some big customers that make up you know well north of 10% of your revenue currently. Yes. Interesting. Okay, good. And how are you signing these folks up? Are these XL color relationships, people that have left and joined other companies? I mean, how are you getting these initial customers? It's, it's a spectrum of everything from, yes, some relationships that were from the past to uh, some, some of the users who are on the product who are in a trial or free and us uh, helping them upgrade and go through that process from the, from the product-led side. Okay, but but I imagine you're too early in terms of you don't have any engines spun up where there's direct paid acquisition. You're calculating CAC to pay back all that jazz, right? I mean, we we calculate that stuff, but it's the error bars are massive on it. So I would say, yeah, you're right. It's not at a point where we'd say, okay, if you put in X dollars, this is exactly what comes out the other side. No, sure, we're we're, we're pre that kind of scaling scaling part of Series B or Series late Series A. Yep. Yep, but just be just to be clear, just to get a general range. I mean, with twenty thousand seats at thirty bucks average pop, I mean, you're somewhere in the six hundred grand per month range at this point, right? In terms of MRR. Oh, oh, yeah, so sorry, I should really be clear. Not all of those are paid seats. We have Got some it. of those. Some of those are freemium. Some of those are, are premium. They're paying individually. Some of those are self service, and then some of those are managed. Okay, so we have four tiers. And I would say the majority are free, to be fair. Yep, yep. Okay, so I mean, can we say like usually 10% of, of, of a user base is paying sometimes? I mean, are guess somewhere around 2,000 paid seats? Yeah, sure. that's a good, that's a good ballpark okay. range. Maybe and, a little more than that. And, more. The, well, the reason, and the reason I want to ask is because um, it, you're in a valuable spot of building a business. You're right at the beginning and you're a guy that just went through it. So you know the playbook and you're executing it. And I think that's a good barometer and benchmark for listeners to understand. So you launched it five, six months ago, four or five months ago, right? You're now at 2,000 seats, 30 bucks a pop. So maybe more like 60 grand per month in revenue today versus 600. Yeah, that, it's, it's in the more in that range. And I will say that I am much more focused on, um, and this is probably a good point, on just massively growing seats. It's getting to some large enterprises and seeing that product market fit, you know, that must have renewable, need to have peace. And so, I'm probably more balanced on that that than on just sheer volume of seats. Yep. So let me ask some questions around that. What do you know once someone has paid for a seat and they're being onboarded? What do you know you have to get that seat to do in the first 24 hours where they're going to be way stickier? So did, I, let me break this in two parts. Are, are we actually lead with an analytics play for sales management first and then the end user tools are two? So on the, on the analytics side, what we need to do is identify some single threaded deals for sales management. They're like, oh, my God, I can't believe that's in forecast. I'm going to go talk to the reps and make sure that they do their work on broadening the relationships of that account. Right. Or they won't close. So that first aha moment of seeing a deal that, wow, that wouldn't have actually closed unless I got involved in it is for the sales management. And then on the sales user side, it's just, hey, if we show you something that gives you a chance to get one more meeting, we produce some insight around the person or some access point that gets you a meeting you never would have. That's an aha moment. That's a wow. Interesting. Okay. All right, good. And and so do you have 2000 seats isn't a huge cohort, but it's enough. I mean, are are you looking yet at um, you know, uh, if a seat does x y and z in the first week, they're x percent more likely to bring on three additional seats? Like are you looking at expansion revenue metrics yet or no? Uh, we are uh it you know, we I would say that we probably know there's three or four things that they have to have set up to be that to be successful. Uh but I wouldn't say that we know um the order, in other words, it's it, there's no correlation to order so far. 
Um, we definitely know the cohort. We do cohort analysis every month, and every month our cohort 90-day retention goes up. Um, so we're doing something right, but we still haven't figured out that magic path yet. What's it at today? What's it north of? Uh, it's north of uh, of 35% for okay. 90 days. So just to be clear, if someone signs up on a paid account, in the first, you'll retain 35 per free? Oh, this is for all, all including free. Okay. So our paid is much higher. I was about uh, to say so 35%. Yeah. I would be, I'd be worried. No, no, though this is a free. This is including. This is massively influenced by the free base. We because that's important too. Because the free base, if they're happy, that's our lead pool for selling into our paid base, right? Yeah. Have you churned any paid customers to date, or no? Oh yeah, we've churned some small paid customers, but no large ones. Okay, and like, is that like, would you say sub three percent logo churn per month? Do you generally have what that number is yet, or no? It's too early. It's too early for that, but it's it's low. It's low. It's not below what I would expect at this stage of the business by any means. Sorry, not above, not above. The churn is not above okay. what I would expect in the first sort of year of selling. You know? What do you expect? I mean, what do you like? Give us that benchmark. Oh, I mean, I always think you got to be under 1.5% of total MRR churn per month as you start to scale. Um, that's the benchmark we used at Eloqua that held us true. And, and then you, that, always look, you always look at a net retention on top of that. I was going to say, I was going to say, was that 1.5% revenue churn per month? Was that net revenue churn or gross revenue churn? No, that's gross revenue churn. Pre-expansion. Yeah, because I, I think you got to look at those things as two different signals, right? Um, net is a great way to hide both. Yeah. But but expansion, you could be expanding on three accounts that are big and then losing a whole bunch of small ones, and it tells you something about the business still. So yeah, you need to look at them separately. Okay, good. Um, CAC, it's too early. Uh, LTV, that kind of stuff, it's too early. I mean, even, pay, even payback period, really too early for that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, that's right. Like I mentioned, we're... We're, we're, we're excited about the self-service revenue streams and the, and the credit card stuff, but we're really focused on can we grow a small account to a large account and do they lock in for two years after yep. that? What's your team that's, size that's, right now? It's 22 people. Okay. all Where are you guys all based? Toronto, Canada. Everybody? Everybody. Oh, wow. That's great. Okay, good. Very good. All right, Paul, let's wrap up here uh, with the famous five. Number one, what is your, uh, what's the last business book that you read? Oh, the last business book I read was um, the Sales Development Handbook by Trish Bertuzzi. The Sales Development Handbook. Yeah. Okay. Number number two is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Um. No. Okay. Number three, besides your own, what's your favorite online tool for building the business? Oh, I like I love uh, Full Story. That's a good one. Number. Well, I, well Intercom. Intercom. <laughs> full. And Full Story. Both. Full. Are you angels in either of those? No. Okay. All right. Number four, how many hours do you sleep to get every night? Um, six. That's good. And what's your situation, Paul? Married, single, half kiddos? Married with kids. How many? Two. Two. Okay. And how old are you? I'm 45. 45. Last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Um, I, wish, I, wish, I wish they knew. I, I wish my 20-year-old self knew. Uh, how hard it is to build a business. <laughs> Guys, it's hard to build a business. There you go from Paul. Was there early at Eloqua with one of the founders, Dave. They built that, obviously sold that to Oracle, stayed there for about a year, then left, took a two-month break, partnered up with, again, a former colleague in Dave. They didn't get sick of each other through the Eloqua story, which obviously makes sense because it was a successful one. Now they are jumping into relationship intelligence. Basically, you connect up your feed. I say, yes, Paul, you can have access to my network. Paul can then see who I'm close with and ask for more appropriate interest from stronger signals than you really can get anywhere else. I love the business concept. They're scaling. They're now at 22 people. Launched in 2014, spent about two years building the product using their own money. They've now raised 7 million bucks, serving about 2,000 seats across 30 logos. Do it, you know, doing call, call it, say, 60 grand per month-ish right now in revenue and scaling quickly up there in Toronto. Paul, thank you for taking us to the top. Thanks, Nathan, for having me.